Welcome to the LBCF podcast. Our vision is to learn to live and love like Jesus, where we live, work, and play. To find out more about our community, you can visit us at lbcf.org. We hope you are encouraged and challenged by this teaching from our community. Good morning. Good morning. All right. Well, good morning, Long Beach Christian Fellowship. Thank you. <laughs> I'll just, I can wait, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be patient. Um, yeah, if, if you are new or new-ish to our community and you haven't been welcomed, welcome. Um, I am, my name is Ryan. I'm the teaching pastor here. And uh, if you've been coming for any amount of time, you know that we really value having a variety of teaching uh, people up here. And if you were here last week, you got to hear Pastor Danny, who is in the Philippines this week. Um, and if you are, uh, if you have a Bible, you can open them today to Deuteronomy chapter six. And so I want to, if you use an actual physical paper Bible, I would encourage you to create a crease in Deuteronomy 6. Um, it is a great place to just return to, um, but that's going to be where we spend a lot of our time today. We're in a series called Discernment, uh, Rhythms for Wisdom in the Midst of Chaos. And as I, we are heading into our Advent season coming up, and I just love how much that is a very clear and great picture for us and how much we need discernment, how much we need to be able to, to discern what's happening in our world now so that we don't miss the presence of, of Jesus when he's in our midst. Because if, if we have discernment and we're able to see um, what is happening in our world and how to make sense of it. Um, the, the definition is the ability to judge well. And so how do we live wisely when life is unclear? And yeah, our first week, we spent a good amount of time talking about the, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord, and that drew us back to Deuteronomy 6 as well, where it talks about not this terror, but this, this awe and appreciation, and that when we have this awe and appreciation, both for God, but also in his, his image being on all people, that that will actually shape the way that we respond that, that as we have that growing appreciation that we will recognize that while we are with other people, we stand on holy ground and that we have this awe, this appreciation, that that is the starting point of wisdom is knowing how good our God is. Last week, Danny brought us to this very important reminder that we need to look at all of the texts, at all of the Old Testament, all of the all of the New Testament through the lens of who Jesus Christ is, what he taught, how he lived, that as we shape what we do, that that is the center point for all that we do. And we should be 
always looking through the lens of Jesus in all that we do. And today, I want to talk about, um, and as we continue to go forward in this topic, um, how do we hold things that feel like they might be opposites or opposed or that it's hard to see how we hold them in the same space um, and that we are meant to do two things that the call of discernment is both to remember and to renewal. So I'm going to be using these terms a lot, remember, renewal. And that as we look through the text, there are so many opportunities that we have in so many places that we are called to remember, that we forget so much that, that if we would have just remembered what God has done for us and throughout our history, um, that, that there's something deep and powerful when we remember that we are connected to a story that is long before us and will continue long after us, that when we recognize that we are actually a part of a story that has a long history before us, that we are called to retell those stories. And so I want to make sure that we have an opportunity to do that because the word remember is found 240 times throughout the Bible. 240 times we're called to not forget the things that have happened before us. If you read Psalms, you'll see that, that, that David, in his grief and in his trouble, would, would call himself to remember who God has been. That so often we are caught up in the moment of now, and we're so preoccupied with how everything is happening right now that we forget that there's wisdom in remembering. There's wisdom, and it takes time to slow ourselves down, and it takes an intentionality. I did not grow up in a culture where we talked about our heritage a lot, and then I married into a Hispanic family, and they talk about their heritage a whole bunch, and but that was something that was so new to me. I mean, that I did not even have an appreciation for it. And now I realize what I lost, what I did not have, and how important and beautiful it is to remind ourselves of the story of where we've come from and who and what we are a part of. And so I want to start, and we will continuously talk about this as we go on, but when we remember, let's go to Deuteronomy 6. Deuteronomy 6, and I'm going to start in verse 4. And if any of you, um, there are some people in this room who this might sound very familiar. This is, this is the most pivotal prayer in the Israelite tradition. This is called the Shammah. And it's, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. When the Lord your God brings you out of the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and 
Jacob to give you a land with large flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then you will eat and are satisfied. Be careful you do not forget a Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I love what Pastor Mary talked about, that we are proclaiming this good news to the captive. This is a picture that I think we also, we can both rest in appreciation of what has come before us. When we remember, when we learn to retell our stories, I grew up in a culture where telling your testimony was something that happened a lot, but it also was, um, I think it started to take on a tone of let's bring the person up who has the craziest past and let's let them tell about their amazing journey out of all of the crazy things that they did and everybody else that just had this sort of humdrum, I've just tried to do my best following a Lord. They rarely ever got platformed. And so we really did not get taught how to tell our stories. We devalued our own stories so much. And I think that as God's people, we have to re- Remember that some of the things that we are blessed with now, some of the things that we are benefited with now are not by what we have made. We are receiving things that people have worked for for years. And that's humbling. It helps us to remember what's come before us and how much we are benefiting from other people's hard work. We can enter a posture of appreciation and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for all of the people that have come before me. And it also will free us up from feeling the pressure that everything that you do now will be fruit that you get to taste because you might not. Some of the work that we will do as God's people will be for fruit that other people after us will have. The work that we put in now is not just for us and it's not just by us. This is a scripture that reminds us to take our eyes off of ourself. Reminds us that you can put in that work and it might be for people who come long after us. I'm going to go back a little bit. This is Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9. It says, only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. These stories of what God has done in LBCF, in your life, in your family, what, what has he brought you out of? If you're in this room now, you've survived something. You've endured something. What is it that the Lord might be calling you in a world that is so swirling with right now and interpret everything based on right now? What might he be calling you to remember in your own life? I want to go to Psalms. This is chapter 89, verses 1 and 2 and 8. This is what we read this morning. 
I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth, I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. I will declare that your love stands firm forever and that you establish your faithfulness in heaven itself. O Lord God Almighty, who is like you, you are mighty, O Lord, and your faithfulness surrounds you. That as we remember, we can say that as things feel chaotic now, that, that we actually will ourselves to say what was can be also. There is a really interesting thing that happens in the Hebrew that they do not have a term for, for is. They have a concept of was and will be. And when they want to talk about what is, they push those two things together. So when they talk about who God is, their concept of what is essential in his nature, they say, who has he been and who will he be? So there's this needed reality of holding what has come before us and the hope of what will come after us. In order to make sense of what's happening right now, we see Hebrew pointing us to talk about what he was and who he will be to make sense of what is. And so when we think about it in that way, when it says, Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad, that is the Shema, that's chapter 6, verse 4. If you want to memorize a prayer that will anchor you into one of the most ancient repeated prayers. This was prayed every morning, every night, and at the end of these holy feasts. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The Lord was one. The Lord will be one. When we look at how the Hebrews, at, at how the Israelite people thought of how do we talk about and make sense of what's happening now that these texts were written as they were in exile. These texts were written in the midst of chaos. These texts were written when things were, were hard and heavy. How are we meant to talk about these things? Why is it important? It says, tell your children about these things. Talk to each other. Tell each other your stories, where you've come from. Renew the vitality of telling people your testimony. Renew the vitality of, of anchoring yourself in what the God of all creation has brought us out of. Renew the story of how much appreciation we can have that the early church fought through something that felt impossible, where the Jews and Gentiles were impossible part, partners, and we are the beneficiaries of a church that was committed to that work how beautiful is it that we can actually remember and retell that story? We are called to do it because if we don't rem remember, we are caught up in our own wisdom. We are caught up in what we can see here and we miss an entire angle that we're called to hold. Remember. When we remember, we also see that some of our new I ideas that we think are so are so ahead of our time are actually some of the oldest ideas possible. When we start talking about un, undoing dominance by certain by 
men over women. That is not a new concept. That is a Genesis 2 concept. That is a, when Adam and Eve were created, he named all of the animals, but he did not name Eve. He did not assert dominance over her. Genesis 2, a beautiful Eve concept. And when we look back and we remember and we retell and we actually get familiar with our Old Testament, how beautiful it is that we can see that we're actually participating with the story that is long before us. We're participating in a reality. When we look at Zechariah 14 or Hosea, Hosea 2.23, we will see that the inclusion of the Gentiles is not this New Testament idea. That was a part of the plan from the start. When we look back and we get clear on what the Old Testament was pointing us to, we can see that we are participating with a story where it says this is a part of the reality from the start and that we live in a place where the kingdom is now, where we are participating with certain aspects and we long to see. And also we are drawn forward into a hope of what is not yet the kingdom that is yet to be. And so now we move from remembering because oftentimes when we get um, kind of preoccupied with only the past, we get caught up in these cycles of Rigid practices, we can get caught up in shame of things that we have not done well. And I believe that we're also called to renewal, to what is forward, what is ahead. There's this this passage in Ephesians 3.20. It says that the Lord, who is capable of, of doing more than we can ask, think, or imagine. And sometimes I think back to Miss Mary's text that she taught about a few weeks ago where God insists on being outside of our boxes. That when I think about what could the world be, what could LBCF be, what even could I be, my imagination is huge. I can think of some great stuff. And I think that if, if God would just do it the way that I would hope he would, that it would be beautiful and great and that would be perfect. And it seems like no matter how great your, my, our imaginations are, God is saying, I'm going to do more beyond. More than what you ask, think, or imagine, which is great because it calls us to imagine big and beautiful and say, Lord, this is who you have been from the start. Isaiah 43, 9 talks about this, that he is drawing all nations to himself. So when we start talking about things like how, how do we want to embody ourselves now, it's by both looking back at what has God promised. How familiar are we with his promises, with his character, with who he has been? How familiar are we with his character and how much do we see that that draws to the very end of time? And how are we being renewed? How are we actually making room for him to do a new thing? Because it is an Old Testament. It is an original idea that he says, I will do a new thing. That I will be more than you ask, think, or imagine. That is a part of that who 
God was and who he will be to make sense of who he is in this world now. So when things are chaotic and we can't make sense of where Jesus is in all of this, we have a responsibility to become familiar with what was and what will be. And I think that there's a temptation here um, because it's, I'm, I, I, I really do see it as how well are we tuned into the base notes of what God is up to. If we tune in and we say, Lord, how are you present in all of this? Because I'm having a hard time. Having a hard time finding you my mental look back more, my mental look forward more. And it can feel like the encouragement or you might come away from this thinking, well, that sounds like whiplash. Like you're just constantly, where are you, Lord? Thankfully, we have some scripture that tells us where God is at all times. Matthew 28, 20, I'm with you always. I'm with you. Psalm 139, verse 7. I'm going to turn there, actually. So if you, I don't hear a lot of pages, which means turn your apps to Psalm 139, which means type into your Bible, I guess. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. And if I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. When the disciples are in the boat and things are going crazy, Jesus' presence was forgotten. He says, oh, you of little faith. And I wonder how when our times get crazy, do we forget? Do we forget to tell the stories of who he was and who he will be? So I wonder if as we are called to hold both the remembering and the renewal as an act of discernment to make sense of when things feel crazy, when we can't, when it seems like we are presented with two options that can either both be good or both be horrible, or when we are just stuck and it feels like a blizzard and we can't make the next step forward, we can tell our stories to each other. We can also look and say, what does the coming kingdom look like? What is the shape? How, how do we participate in that? Because sometimes we can't see our way forward and we just have one step at a time. And so we are called to hold the remembering and the renewal. And so for Many of us, we get trapped in our past and it becomes a prison of this aim of things that we've done poorly, of the things we don't know, of the stories that we have participated in that we don't really want to talk about. 
we get trapped there, or we might get trapped in the the anxious reality of what might be, and we're trapped in the prison of of a fear and an anxious reality of what's not yet. And I think that our call, my hope, my sense from the Spirit is that God wants to calm us down and say, I'm with you always. I'm with you always. There isn't anywhere, even if you tried to hide, you couldn't hide. In your work places, in all of your ailings, in all of the ways that we don't keep our promises to ourselves, in all of the places that we don't have answers, in all of the, those late night things that keep you up and turn your stomach and feel like they don't have any answers at all, he says, I'm with you. I'm with you in the midst of that too, that we are called to a presence. And I think that um, we have a world that is constantly asking us to make snap judgments, to choose to know, to understand, to have the the perfect answers. And I think that there's a sense that we are called to pause breathe because sometimes we don't know and we only have maybe we have i don't know and so i want to show you this video it's a very short parable but it helps really brings some of this into clarity there was once an old farmer who had three horses well one night there was a storm and the horses ran off so his neighbors came around to console him and said this is a great misfortune But the old man just replied, oh, maybe, maybe. Anyway, a week later, the horses returned, only this time they were accompanied by five wild stallions. The neighbors couldn't believe it. How fortunate you are. Oh, said the old man, maybe, maybe. A few days later, while trying to tame one of the stallions, his son fell off the horse and broke his leg. Oh, said the neighbors, this is incredibly unfortunate. Oh, maybe, maybe. Well, a few more days passed, and then some government officials came round to conscript young men into the war, but they saw him with a broken leg and left him alone. Oh, how fortunate you are, said the neighbours. Ah, oh, said the old man, maybe, maybe. So I'm not sure if you caught that. It was very quick, but this picture of if all we are doing is paying attention to one moment at a time, we forget that we are a part of a large arc, a large history. When I um, first got married, um, we met with our financial person. He was talking to us about retirement accounts and how they work. And he said, within a year, it might be like that. But if you kind of spread it out, the, the curve tends to go like this. And he was explaining, like, don't get too freaked out <laughs> by paying attention to the to the moment by a moment because you're in it for the long game. And he pointed it out. And I'm not very good at that because I like paying attention to the moment I moment. When I do that, I freak out because I see, oh, oh my gosh, it's chaos. The world is ending. 
And then the next day, I'm like, oh, actually, everything's okay. And that sort of up in town, the world is ending, actually, everything's okay, or I'm thriving, everything's great. Oh my gosh, it all fell apart. That sort of thing sets us into this cycle where we are anxious, where we're fearful, where we are snap judgment. And I wish maybe we, the church needs some more maybe. Maybe the church needs a po- a, to build a posture where we actually say, what story are we a part of? What, where are we at in that long arc? Where are we at? Take a breath and say, maybe. Lord, speak. There's this very old heritage of waiting on a Lord. Lord, speak to us. We need your discernment. And so um, I'm going to call the worship team up. But as we close, I just want to take five minutes and I want you to just hold your hands out in an open posture and say, Lord, where are you calling me to be better at remembering? Or maybe where is he calling you into more renewal? Are you more preoccupied with what's come before? Are you more preoccupied with what you know to be true? And so you're holding on to what you are absolutely certain of? Or are you more preoccupied with the future? Are you more preoccupied with an, with an anxious sort of what will the world be like? What kind of world are my kids entering into? How will my job pan out? How will this relationship pan out? Maybe you're more preoccupied with what might happen. And ask the Lord, are you calling me to re member or to renewal, or maybe you feel like you have a really good balance on the two of those, and what you have to hear is the Lord is with you always. His presence, you could not hide from his presence even if you tried. I want to take some time and just allow that room for discernment within you because I am aware for me what works for me, but I know that the discernment practice is something that we practice in community, and it's also something that the spirit that lives inside you will wake up for you what you need, and that we would bring those things back to community, that we would share those pieces with each other because we cannot discern what the Holy Spirit is up to on our own. We are meant to do it with each other. We are meant to do this in community. We are meant to bring what we sense the Holy Spirit speaking up for each other and tell each other our stories and also remind each other of the hope of the coming kingdom of the Lord our God is one and will be one. That all things are being restored. Acts 3.21 says that he is restoring all people to himself. God is in the business of restoration. He's drawing people to himself. Where are we participating in that? Lord, would you show us, would we be your people 
that give the freedom to each other to breathe and say, maybe, I don't know. I'm in this place where I, I want to sense that, that we are t- tuned enough to what your spirit is up to, that we are willing to, to wait on your voice. When we hear it, that we would speak it bold. Thank you that you have placed us in a, in a community where your spirit is moving and is powerful and is in, is in each of us. Lord, would we, would we familiarize ourselves with, with both what you've been up to, what you have done? Would you remind us of your faithfulness when we don't sense that on our own? Lord, would you remind us of that? Would you also remind us of what you are up to and where you're headed and where we are all headed in this so that we can see where we're at on that long arc by both remembering and renewal, Lord? Would we use that in our discernment process so that we would be people anchored in, in your, long, your long history of presence and faithfulness and also anchored in the hope of a kingdom that is not yet. Lord, would you show us, your people, how to live wisely? So let's take the next few minutes, and I'm going to call the people who are serving prayer, uh, who are serving communion, to come up, and in about three or four minutes, uh, you can dismiss yourself and come up for communion, because this This communion is a picture of embracing and embodying what was before us, bringing it into the present and calling us to live in a new way now going forward. Communion is the place where remembering and renewal find a home in us. So let's take the Lord's feast together. Amen.